Good to have everybody. If you're a guest here today, you and we say this often, and the reason why we do is it's planned, it's meant, it's, it's sincere. You've made our day. And I mean that everything we've done here, uh, every plan that we've made, uh, every guest services team member, every teacher, every uh, worship, every production team, every, everybody is planning for you being here. And we're just so grateful to have you. It's our honor for you to be here today. Let's give him a hand. <clears throat> In our world today, um, it seems like, and by the way, my time doesn't start until right now. Okay, just saying, just saying, all right. Uh, in our world today, it seems like all the values that create a healthy society have been turned upside down. And Isaiah, thousands of years ago, warned us that any culture is headed for collapse when it ignores and reverses the values um, that created that health to begin with. Isaiah 5.20 says, and I want you to pay close attention, this is very dramatic uh, wording here, it says, you are doomed. You are doomed if you call evil good and call good evil. It goes on to say even more. Destruction is certain when you call darkness light and light darkness. When right is considered wrong and what's wrong is considered right. That is not my words. He says that culture will collapse. It won't last. He says that culture will collapse. It's not going to last. That's the word of God. A little over 2,600 years ago, the nation of Israel had fallen into, listen to me, immorality. It fell into injustice. It fell into idolatry. Okay? Sound familiar? In that day, there were prophets that would go around speaking and preaching. Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zephaniah and Daniel was just a young boy when this was all happening. And, and these prophets kept saying, if you don't get your act together, you're going to lose your freedom. That's what they would repeat. You're going to lose your freedom. They warned the nation of Israel that God was ticked off. And they said, you continue to put everything in life in front of me. You continue to, you, you have your wickedness, and, 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 and it's ramping up, and, un, and, and, and justice is nowhere to be found, and some of you are lost right now. You're thinking, wait a minute, is he still talking about 2,600 years ago, or is he talking about today? It's hard to tell. But sure enough, these prophets were right. About 600 B.C., the emperor of the powerful Babylonian empire invaded Israel and his name was Nebuchadnezzar. It was the most powerful empire of its day. He came in and, and took over the, the entire nation of Israel and destroyed the capital city of Jerusalem. And he took 25% of the nation as prisoners of war, took them back to Babylon, the modern day Iraq, and, and, and kept them for 70 years. Everybody, 70 years. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. And they did, in fact, lose their freedom. Because they didn't, listen to me, because they didn't pay attention to God's warnings. I want to ask you today, are you paying attention to God's word? Are you paying attention to how directly opposed, how, how directly opposite 
how, how drastically different our culture is today to the values of Jesus Christ. You see, they didn't pay attention, and the collapse of that culture shook everything. Honestly, our culture is on shaky ground today. Our, our economy shaky. Our government shaky. Freedoms shaky. Education is being shaken. Marriages definitely shaken. Uh, families are shook up. Uh, the very foundations of our moral and ethical values are being shaken. What used to be wrong is now normal. What was once disgraceful is viewed completely different today. People are going, oh, Lord, where's he going with this? Bear with me. Stay with me. This week, our ministry leaders, as Pastor Devin said, went to Chicago and heard some of the best leaders and speakers that are known to this world today. No kidding. They were incredible. And we learned so much. But I'm not sharing their thoughts with you today. I'm not sharing Judah Smith's thoughts. I wish you guys could have heard it. It was incredible. I laughed until I cried, and I cried until I cried. It was unbelievable. Great message. Craig Rochelle's thoughts, these are not them. Andy Stanley's thoughts, they're not them. I'm begging you today to pay attention to God's thoughts today, God's word. God says that no matter, listen to me, this is what I'm here to tell you, no matter how bad the world gets, no matter how much your world has been shaken, God says, I want you to survive. Not only that, I want you to thrive. That's what God has sent me here today to tell you. When you walk away and I jack this message up, that's what I want you to hear from me today, okay? No matter what is thrown your way, no matter what comes against you, God wants you to thrive. He wants you to th thrive. Th th thrive. <laughs> Daniel is a young boy. I mentioned earlier, we mentioned in the song, his book is in the Bible, you ought to read it. It's a, it's a young boy, and he sees all this upheaval. But the Daniel who wrote the book was not a famous prophet when he starts this story. It covers 70 years of his life from the time he was 15 to the time he was 85. And he starts off as, a, listen to me, at 15, he starts off as a prisoner of war. But he ends up, 70 years later, as the second most powerful man in the most powerful empire. It's an amazing story and lessons for everyone at every stage of life. This 15-year-old teenager watches the destruction of his nation, and he's taken as a prisoner of war. He would never see his parents again. He would never see his family again. He would never see his homeland Israel again. He would spend the rest of his life living in a foreign, hostile culture. I want to read to you Daniel chapter 1. Verses 1 through 7, I'm going to separate it out, and here we go with the first one. In the third year of Judah, Judah's king, Jehoiakim, Jehoiakim, say it for me, Jehoiakim, I want to make sure I was right. That's the king of Israel, and he was in reign. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon uh, uh, besieged Jerusalem with his armies. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the enemy 
the reason why I'm talking today, and Chuck, it's good to see you today, man. You're always working. Man, he's a fireman, so he's got to work. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, but the reason why I was speak, am going to speak on this today is because so many people over the past month, it seems, everybody I, I talk to, I seem to hear the same theme throughout the conversations, and that, that is overwhelmed. Now, you may not feel that way today, but I'm just letting you know that that's why I'm speaking about this today, because there have been many people who I've talked to have just come to me, and throughout the conversation, the word actually has come up, overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You ever felt surrounded with no way out? Have you ever felt besieged by all of your problems? Everywhere you look, there's no escape. You're overwhelmed with work. You're, you're, you're overwhelmed with your child or your children. You're overwhelmed with your spouse. You're overwhelmed with money problems. Perhaps the enemy has surrounded just, just your mind. Nothing physical, nothing like, you know, that you can touch. Just, just your mind. Perhaps he's, he's completely surrounded just your mind with these negative thoughts about you, negative thoughts about others, and you feel like things are just caving in. This is how Daniel and the people of Jerusalem felt. They were besieged by Nebuchadnezzar's army, and it says, get this, God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. What? Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar is not a godly man. You're going to have to bear with me today. Um, these names, I might jack them up, but you're going to get the idea, okay? Nebuchadnezzar is not a godly man. He's, he's not Jewish. He's not, a, he's not a Christian. He's a total pagan. And God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. God gave him the victory. God will use pagan leaders... To discipline his own children. He did it with Pharaoh, Egyptians, Moses, and Israel. He did it with Cyrus, the Persian. He did it with Darius, the Mede. And he's doing it right here with Nebuchadnezzar. God can use ungodly leaders to do his will. He let Nebuchadnezzar discipline his own children, the children of Israel. Here's what happened. After the nation was taken into captivity, when Nebuchadnezzar turned, returned to Babylon, he took with him the best sacred objects from the temple of God in Jerusalem and put them on display in his pagan temple uh, of Babylon. He's being cocky here. He, he's saying, hey, our, God, our gods are better than your God. And he says, and this moving on, he also ordered that the best young men of Judea be taken as captives to be brought to his palace. And one of those happened to be, you guessed it, Daniel. And he told them, he said, select only the best looking, the strongest, and the smartest young men and bring them to my palace. And by the way, I want you to take notice of that. Beauty, brains, and brawn 
These are the same three things that we value in our culture today. King Nebuchadnezzar said, bring me the best. Then they put these teenager, teenage boys through a three-year cultural indoctrination program. Listen to what it says. Uh, make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're gifted with knowledge and good sense, and have the poise needed to serve in my royal palace. Teach these young men the language and the literature of the Babylonian culture. They were to eat only Babylonian food. They were, they, were, they were trained for three years in all things Babylon. It says these teenagers were given new Babylonian names even. So Daniel was renamed to Belshazzar. Hananiah was renamed to Shadrach. Michelle was named as Meshach. And Azariah was renamed as Abednego. I want you to pay close attention to this. They are being systematically reprogrammed. These Jewish teens are being systematically reprogrammed. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. They said, you're not going to be Jews anymore. They're shaking things up. They're, they're destroying their foundation they're replacing, listen, the godly values of Israel with the pagan values of Babylon. They have separated them from their parents and all of their loved ones, and they have given them all brand new names, and listen to this, new, new identities. New identities. Your old life, it's over. You're new, you're now Babylonian. I have a question for you. As a 15-year-old kid, would that have rocked your world? I, I can't hear you. Guys, it's rocking our kids' worlds today. Hmm. I want you to listen to me. Even though his 15-year-old life is shaken to the foundation. He grew into a great, great man of God. One of the greatest prophets in the Bible. In the years ahead, in a hostile culture, listen to me very closely, he thrived. He thrived. He kept getting promoted and promoted and promoted. He got promoted five different times. He served and outlasted, listen to me, three different empires and two different horrific cultures and by the way listen to this in doing that he leads two of those emperors to faith in god oh my god thank you lord you talk about thriving nebuchadnezzar and cyrus the great both turn to god when they see daniel's life mm. at 85 He's now retired near the end of the book, and they have this big problem in the empire, and the emperor calls him out of retirement after 85 years. He's 85 years old, and he does such an amazing job that the emperor says, I'm putting you second in command over the whole empire. An amazing story of survival, but even more amazing is Daniel thrived against all odds. There's another in the fire. 
What do you do when your life, your world is being upended? When you're faced with the death of a loved one, when you're faced with divorce, when you're faith, uh, uh, faced with a, a strained relationship, maybe uh, with your spouse or with a child or with, you know, with a parent even, a, a moral fav- failure, a, a, a financial collapse, maybe it's just peer pressure, or, or, or your values are being called out. It's one thing to survive, but another thing altogether to thrive like Daniel did. How do you do that? And that's what I want to talk about today. The first thing that we learn from young Daniel is don't be surprised at adversity. Don't be surprised. Although the collapse of Israel was shocking, it wasn't unexpected. Because the prophets had been saying over and over, hey, we're going to lose our freedom, guys. Uh, If you don't wise up and and stop all of this idolatry, we're going to lose our freedom. As a teenager, Daniel had been hearing all of this. He heard these preachers talking and preaching all the time. Look now, I want you to look. Look now what Peter's telling us in the New Testament. 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer through painful tests and trials as if something strange is happening to you. He's saying, Shakeups are going to happen to you. So, so when something bad happens in your life, instead of going, why me? You should be thinking, why not me? Yeah. Hey, uh, there's going to be trials and there's going to be sufferings that I got to go through. Don't be surprised by it. That's what God's trying to tell us. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you might experience some difficulties. That's not what he said. He said, you will. You will experience difficulties. If Jesus said it, you can count on it. Isn't that exciting? Holy. (laughs) But he went on to promise even more. He says, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I'm, I'm the champion. I've conquered the world. I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and deeply at peace. We should take him at his word here today. Jesus warned us adversity is part of life. Don't let it blow you away. Don't, don't, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked by it. And, and the first thing that we do when we get to a crisis, instead of asking what should we do, the first thing we do is typically is we start pointing fingers, don't we? The blame game and all that kind of stuff. So, so who's to blame here? Uh, there are four possible sources of problems in life. The first one and the biggest one is who? It's you you the second one is the world we are so desperate for the approval of other people that we lower our standards and change our convictions and give in and give up simply because we want somebody to like us you you, you don't need this world's approval the third source of problem is of course satan the devil's a liar Uh, the the moment that you wake up in the morning he's plotting to discourage you to defeat you uh, creates doubt and he creates depression and discouragement and distraction he's literally trying to steal from you trying to destroy you and trying to kill you Uh, just a thought just a thought when you get up in the morning if you don't meet the devil head on it just means that you're headed in the same direction let that be a silver lining the fourth source of your problem in life 
and the one that I want to talk to you today about is God. God will sometimes shake up your life for very good reasons. This is probably the most unexpected source of all of them. But he turned, listen to me, he turned a crucifixion into a resurrection, didn't he? Um, uh, We sang about it today. Anybody can bring good out of good, right? But only God can use the bad things and turn them into good. Regardless of what it is, I lost my job, uh, uh, my my marriage is, is, is in shambles, my family is spending. Listen, listen, God wants, he wants to use it for good. He wants to. But the source isn't nearly as important as the response. And so this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time today. The second thing that we learn from Daniel is look for ways God might use it for good. Look for ways that God might use it for good. Whatever you're going through right now, think about it just for a second and look for ways that God might use it. This is the secret, I believe, to thriving through adversity. I'm telling you the secret according to God's word, all right? We need to learn how to to, to capitalize on the positive and the negative, okay? In Daniel's life, God did five things using the adversity that that he had to face, and God does the very same things to you. Regardless of the problem that you're facing, he does the same things. Sometimes God shakes things up in your life to inspect you. Okay, God will allow a problem in my life that, that reveals a motivation that's out of whack or a thought or, or a character trait or an emotion. He examines it and he checks it out. Okay, Somebody said people are like tea bags. You, you don't know what's in them until you drop them in some hot water. Okay, God will use problems to inspect you and show you what's wrong, what's, what's out of whack or, or, or that you've got some kind of a fear or some kind of a a misplaced value or a misperception of some kind. God already knows. Listen to me, what I'm saying. God already knows what it is. He wants you to know. And Jeremiah 17, 10 says that the Lord searches, listen, the Lord searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so that he can give to each person his right reward according to how he has lived. Notice here, God examines your motives. Listen, why is always more important than what? What you do in life is not nearly as important to God as why you do it. God looks at the heart. He looks at the heart. He's much more interested in your integrity than he is your image. Image is what everybody else can see, and integrity is what you do in the dark when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is watching. And God says, I test you so that you can see your own heart. Okay? Why did it take um, God's children 40 years to get from from Egypt to Israel? You you can walk across the Sinai Mountain um, in 40 days easily, but it took them 40 years. Why so long? The Bible says that while while they were in the the desert, God kept testing them to show them that their faith was insufficient Seven tests, and every time they failed, and God would just say, okay, another lap around the desert. Some of them died in that desert. They spent their entire life there, and they didn't pass the test. And in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8, verse 2, it says, God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years, listen, to humble you 
and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commands. God does the same thing with you. Will will you do the right thing even though you don't feel it? But just because it's the right thing to do? What what matters in your maturity uh, spiritually is not how loud you amen at church. It's, it's not about how fast you raise your hands in, in, while you're worshiping, not how high you jump when you feel God in a worship service. The test is how you walk and how you talk around your coworkers or while uh, your neighbors, around your neighbors, or how you uh, react to your parents or how you react to your child or to your spouse. God says that the problems that come into your life are a measuring tool. The problems are a measuring tool. It, 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 it's your reaction to difficulty and adversity that measures your faith, that measures your commitment, that measures your maturity, that measures your integrity. You say, oh, I'm totally committed to God, but when the, press, the, the pressures are on, uh, do, do you give up? Do you, do, do you give in and walk away from doing God's way? The second thing God did uh, through the adversity in Daniel's life was sometimes God shakes things up in your life to correct you. And that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel 2,600 years ago. That's the the purpose right there. They had fallen into deep idolatry, and God said, you know what? I'm going to cure you of that. And after being hauled off into a foreign country for 70 years, when they came back, they were cured of that. Listen to what God says in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8. God corrects all of his children. Everybody say all. God corrects all of his children, and if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. Wow. If you can sin and continue to sin and and, and get away with it without being corrected, without being corrected, you should probably ask yourself, am I really in God's family? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, God corrects us for our own good because he wants us to be holy as he is. It is never fun to be corrected. This is the word of God. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. We all benefit from correction growing up. It's how you learn to walk and talk and all the things that we learn. You learn because somebody cared enough to correct you. A parent that doesn't correct their children doesn't love their children. Everybody said amen. It's true whether you do or not. Okay, a parent that doesn't correct their children doesn't love their children. How many of you parents with older children that have already moved on would rather have never ever had to correct your parent, your kids? I'm going to raise my hand to that. I did not want to have to do that. Nobody enjoys that. Sometimes parents, the only way to train is through pain. Talk about pain. Listen to Job for just a minute. After losing everything that he owns, and by the way, all overnight, losing his children. I'm not talking about losing. I'm talking about them dying. Covered like in boils. His own wife tells him to curse God and die. Listen listen to what Job says in Job 5.17. Consider yourself fortunate. Holy cow. Consider yourself fortunate when God, all-powerful, 
chooses to correct you. Wow. Loss is painful, but you don't learn the value of money until you lose it, right? You don't learn the value of friendship until you lose it. You don't learn the value of your health until you lose your health. Sometimes God uses pain and problems and shakeups to correct you like he did with Israel. The next one, uh, sometimes God shakes things up in your life to direct you. God wants to point you in a new direction. He, he wants to guide you down a different path. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. H- how does God direct your steps? Real simple. Problems. Problems. H- have you ever noticed that, that, that problems often change your course? I mean, oh, God, there's another problem. Okay, well, we've got to do it this way now. That's just the way. It's the way it is. We don't change when we see the light. We, we change uh, uh, when we feel the heat. And, and when it gets hot enough, if you will, then we change. Proverbs 20, verse 30 says, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. All of you could give testimony to that verse right there. The prodigal son didn't change his path until he hit rock bottom. Everything is going great, right? And then all of a sudden, he runs out of his friends. He runs out of money. He runs out of food. And he came to his senses. And like magic, all of a sudden, he's back in daddy's house. We rarely think about the direction of our lives when things are going good. When David's life fell apart, in Psalm 119, 59, he says, I have thought about my life, and I've directed my feet back to your written instructions. What's that? It's the word of God. Now that I've got problems, God, you've got my attention. Look look at the story of Jonah and the whale. God arranged a very unique problem, and and it swallowed Jonah right up, right? And, And then it just spit him out in what? In the right direction. God uses problems to direct us. Sometimes, moving on, he shakes things up to protect us. Job 36, 16, God has led you away from danger. God often does, does this, and, and you don't even realize this is happening. I bet you we probably don't realize it more often than we do. Giving you freedom, the Bible says. Look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. He's betrayed by his brothers. He's left for dead, sold into slavery. He's accused of rape by his boss's wife and uh, threw herself at him. And out of integrity, he said no. And and he's put in prison for the rest of his life uh, for a crime that he didn't even commit. And then the second half of his life, he ends up second in command. Helping Pharaoh save the most powerful nation of that time. Sometimes God is protecting you with a problem. When it was all over, Joseph said to his brothers um, uh, who had betrayed him, Genesis 50, 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. I read about how shepherds in the Middle East will sometimes intentionally break the leg of a healthy sheep. Why? Because that sheep is prone to wander. And in order to protect that sheep, from the wolves and from, from, from the bears and other predators, they will break the leg of the sheep. That's painful, isn't it? They will break the leg of a sheep, and the sheep walks with a limp so it doesn't wander off. God, listen to me, God is our shepherd. Just like a surgeon will cut you to heal you, God will break you to save you if that's what it takes. The final way today that God uses adversity and problems is to perfect you. 
um, to make you more like Jesus, to grow your character. Growth is faster and deeper, more often during the darkest days. I've heard hundreds of people over the years say, I grew more through that separation or through that unemployment or through that illness or through that tragedy or through that loss or through that storm than I ever would have if, I had stayed, if everything would have stayed the same. Pain is the high cost of growth. If you want to grow, if you want to mature, there's no way to do it without pain. I know that that's not what you want to hear today. That's not what any of us want to hear today. But it's truth. Do you want to know the truth today? Amen? You can't grow up on easy street. How many have ever seen stories about that? We all want, to want the product without the process. The cliche is, is very true. No pain, no gain. The very thing today, listen to me very closely, okay? Because I know that you're in the middle of it today. The very thing that discourages you right now is the very thing that God is using to develop you. Amen. That's how Daniel thrived. That's how Daniel thrived. When you learn this, you'll be unshakable in life like Daniel was. In 1 Peter 5.10, it said, After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who calls you to share his eternal glory and union with Christ, will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength, and a sure foundation. Listen, you're not, listen, you're not going to take your car with you. You're not going to take your cash with you. You're not going to take your career with you. You're not going to take your clothes with you, ladies, uh, to heaven. All right? But you are going to take your character with you. Okay? God is not interested in making your life easy on this earth. He's interested in growing your character. The easy part comes in eternity. The last thing that I hope that you learn today from Daniel is to trust God for what I don't understand. You might be here today, especially if you're overwhelmed and you're struggling. Shall we stand together? You might be here today in that position and really, quite frankly, none of this that I'm talking about has penetrated. Nothing's made it through. Nothing makes sense because you're in the midst of it all. I spoke to you recently about God's ways and God's thoughts being so much higher than your ways and, and, and so much greater than your thoughts. And I'm here today to tell you to trust God for what you don't understand today. Knowing that he has your best interest at heart. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, as I close, since the Lord is directing our steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? In Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, probably my, one of my favorite verses, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Honor the Lord in everything you do, and he will give you success.
loves you today. Just like he loved Daniel. It may not, you may not feel like this today, but he wants you to thrive just like Daniel thrived.